Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in, hit the track, onwards! Episode 3 of the Battlefield Show. Welcome, rascals, to another... What lies ahead? Who knows? Eh? Who knows? How the fuck have you been? I've been alright. Just alright. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's no... It's it's just been alright this week. Although, I've got a Kit Kat Chunky in front of me. So, I mean, how, how bad can life be? When you've got a Kit Kat Chunky. Why uh, Nestle, who are the, the creators of the wonderful Kit Kat range, um, why they are unable to make a four-finger Kit Kat Chunky, to make a, a large uh, Kit Kat offering to the people is beyond me. Because let's be honest, um, all confectionery, not just from the Nestle range, is, is shrinking. I've never seen Mars bars as small as uh, current times. Maybe that's what Extinction Rebellion should be protesting against. The decline in size of uh, confectionery in this country. And also the amount of crisps you get in a packet. That's a movement I could get behind. <laughs> uh, you seen this program? It's on Snack Wars. Is that what it's called? Snack Wars? Snack. It's on after Bake Off. Um, and they have professional chefs recreate uh, like a high street product. So week one, it was Kit Kats. Uh, I think that was week one. Anyway, the ones that I've seen, one was a Kit Kat and one was a, a Whopper. So they basically go to Kit Kat HQ, a panel of Kit Kat judges, and, and each time the panel just like looks like all the boring cunts that are in the office, like people who have got perfect attendance, you know, never talk back to the gaffer. Arse kissers. It's a panel of arse kissers. And then these Michelin star chefs have to recreate uh, the item by only taste so they don't get to know what the hidden ingredient is. And they made a Kit Kat, and they spectacularly fucked this Kit Kat up. I've never seen a Kit Kat. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can make a Kit Kat in the house. These fuckers are, are Michelin-starred, like, as high as you can go in the cooking game. And the fuckers can't make a Kit Kat. And then the Whopper bastards. Oh, dear God. The, pr- the problem with the one with the Whopper is they're all talking about, like, cuts of meat. 
you know? And they're saying, well, if you make a burger, um, you might want to take some of the chuck uh, and then a bit of flank or a bit of skirt uh, just to add some more fatty notes in there. Just to Mate, you're making a whopper, right? You're making a whopper. You're no making a burger that you're selling in your London restaurant for 30 quid. You're making a whopper. We don't even know if it's meat. And then the best bit is when they go to the fucking Whopper factory. Let's remember, it's a factory! I mean, that alone should fucking tell you what's going on. It's, they don't say, let's go to the Whopper kitchen where we make the burgers. It's a fucking factory. And then the guy says, we only have 100% cuts of, of beef in here. Now you explain to me, mate, how you can take that bucket of meat what process you put it through so when it comes out it looks like that wee fucking pink disc of despair apparently according to Mr. Whopper imagine that was his name Mr. Whopper uh, as they, they mince the uh, meat in quotation marks three times he, he's, a, he's a thrice mincer when it comes to his meat which gives it that unique Whopper texture uh, and then they batter its cunt in freeze it and send it off to the many Burger King emporiums around the, the UK. Now, I worked f- f- for Burger King. One of my first jobs was Burger King uh, and I lasted one shift. One shift. And then I left the hellhole which was Hillington Burger King. Oddly enough, and here's the most fucked up bit, that Burger King is still there. And here is the even more fucked up bit. I have since returned to that Burger King and bought food and consumed it even though I know the horror that lives behind the iron curtain. That's how fucked up life is. But that's what it all comes down to price. That's what these fuckers don't talk about. People always go, why do you have a McDonald's? Because it's like fucking 150 for a burger or a quid. There's things I can get for a pound. So open 24 hours and it's late. But my experience at Burger King was a family came in, they were a bit cunty. I always think, not that I condone any of the actions, but I always think if you, especially if you're mixing with food or some form of customer service, if you if you have to have an interaction with another human, there's, there's one question you should ask yourself straight away. Is this person on minimum wage? And if the answer is yes, that should dictate the next way in which you engage with that person. Maybe then ask yourself the question, do they look as though they give a fuck or take pride in their work? And if the answer to that is no, then you need to tread very, very lightly. So this family came in, kicked off, getting a bit cunty. I was on the uh, chicken station responsible for uh, chicken sandwiches so I would take them from the frying basket after they've been cooked dump them in some kind of sweat box where they are then stored in this plastic fucking sweat tray until some poor bastard orders one and then uh, I fuck it on a, on a sub roll with some lettuce and mayo wrap it stick it in the wee slide and you put it in your face, none the wiser. But on this occasion, um, when I was putting them together, someone came up to me and asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm, I'm making the chicken sandwiches. No, I think I was like 15 at the time. 
I want to say 16, ruin about that age. Can you work at 15? I don't know. Whatever age it was, you can work it. I was working. And the dirty fuckers took the chicken out of the basket, stuck it in the mop bucket, and then put it back in the fryer. Now, there may be a doctor or a scientist or someone who is clued up in this kind of stuff. I imagine if you stuck it in the mop bucket and then back in the fryer, it would burn off any, you know, mop bucket flavour. But I still wouldn't want to eat after that. Made our burgers and then we sat from the safety of the kitchen and watched these poor bastards tuck into their chicken mop bucket dinner. And they, they ate the whole thing and then left. And I imagine then fought over the one toilet in the house as someone took a shit in the garden and maybe somebody shat in the sink in the kitchen. Don't fuck with anybody who works in fast food, man. I never know. I, I don't ever complain. Ever. Even if I have a shit dinner, I do not complain. I just think I will never be back there. Because we're now past the point where even it used to be a case where if you would say to someone they come over and go how was your meal and you go do you know what that that wasn't actually that good they go we will take that off the bill they don't do it anymore they just go right okay because they don't give a fuck nobody gives a fuck anymore about you as a consumer nobody gives a fuck so yes Burger King one shift and then up the fucking road I um lovely wee weekend there uh, up in Aberdeen. Stayed in a fucking amazing hotel, man, in Aberdeen. Um, took the tour manager up. Uh, me and the missus and the tour manager went up to Aberdeen for the gig just to get just to get away for the night. Um, and I was going to stay uh, near the venue, and he did the usual. Uh, we do accept dogs, but it's only guide dogs. And I was like, well, I can see uh, your prices online, so go take a fuck to yourself. I still don't understand why hotels just don't let dogs, just let dogs in. They're fucking no hassle, right? They, they make less mess and less noise than some children, so let my dog in. But I found a lovely hotel, uh, Sandman Signature it was called, and fuck me, it was an absolute beauty. A lot of the time if you're travelling... Um, some venues will give you a hotel, sometimes you get your own space, depending on what you're doing, especially if I'm on tour, I will say to my agent, just book the cheapest hotel uh, there is, because it's fucking your old dad's paying for it, know what I mean? But this one was an absolute belter. Sometimes, you know, you see pictures of hotels online when you book it, and then you turn up and you go, oh, those pictures were taken one day after it opened, and it opened 32 years ago, I understand. And now it is in a state of utter horror. But this was a cracker, man. I, I, I need to find out where hotels buy their beds from. Because this bed, it's easily the biggest fucking bed I've ever stayed in my life. I'm, me at one end, misses at the other. You could get three people in the middle. I mean, you're talking roll over twice, stretch out the arm and you're still no touching each other, it was unbelievable, the bed. That's the kind of, that's the kind of bed I want in the house. A massive, giant, novelty fucking bed. But I shout out to the Sandman signature. 
I mean, Sandman sings or sounds like some kind of serial killer for like the 80s in the States. It sounds like I could put on one of these cold case files on Netflix and there would be a, a documentary about Sandman's signature. One of the most brutal killers in American history. Chased over state lines by the FBI. I don't know what accent that is. Sandman's signature. Have you ever in Aberdeen? Check out Sandman's signature. Tell me your old dad sent him. I mean, know that that'll make a difference. Also, The Breakfast, man. Oh, my God. No, we want to watch The Breakfast. We were going to go down. Uh, the tour manager started his howling carry-on as if, don't leave me, you bastards. I want breakfast. Um, so we did a kind of tandem breakfast situation so the wee man had somebody with him. And, oh, my God. What a breakfast. Delicious. Sandman Signature. If you're in Aberdeen, check it out. Right, what has been happening this week, man? Um, Extinction Rebellion is in the news. They are taking over London, apparently. It's got a wee bit exciting um, on Thursday morning when they tried to take over some tube trains and uh, it kicked off a bit. Now, I mean, I'm no laughing, right, at uh, Hippie getting battered, but whoever is coordinating Extinction Rebellion, they they need to just, they, you know what, just Google, right? You've all got iPhones, you've all got smartphones, you've all got laptops, we, we've seen the pictures, right? Just, just, just Google, a quick Google search on these places that you're thinking about doing it, because you, you don't go to the scummy bits, right? Because here's, here's the thing, that you don't realise those people are on your side. You know, they, they, they sympathise. If you interview a few London scumbags that are like, oh, what, governor, oh, these fucking people, we're killing the planet, mate. I can't even get fucking a pine eagle anymore. Fucking fuck me, governor. They're fine until you fuck with them. Right? They're on your side. Until you fuck with them. Now, if you go to their gaff and you fucking super glue yourself to a train or you get in the roof, guess what? They're not going to go, oh my god, it's fantastic what the kids are doing. They will rip your glued hand from a fucking train and drag you from a roof and kick your cunt in because they need to get to work. These are the people that can phone up and go, you're not going to believe this. Extinction Rebellion taking over the tube. Uh, I'm just going to take a duvet day or I'll dial in and work for home. Because they're fucking cleaning hussies. Tradesmen. Most of the fuckers on... If you've ever been to London, right? And if, you, if you've if you had the unfortunate situation where you need to travel in the morning, you'll be sitting there going, I really hope this guy's a joiner. Because if no, there's a fucking nutter sitting with a bag of hammers across me. This is how tradesmen get about London. And like I said, they, they, they need to be at work on time. Even if they went in and went, I'm very sorry, uh, it, you know, there was a protest and they held the train up. You're fired. They don't care. They will fuck you up. The the guy who... Get, here's my thing this morning, right? I watched it on BBC News and I'll be honest, when it first went on and I saw the guy on the roof of the tube and they, they dragged him off and then started battering him, right? I did say to the missus, I was like, fucking hell, man, that's that's a bit heavy, right? Now, if you watch that full clip online, and the classic BBC, I mean, as soon as I saw it, I went, I'm no surprise. Before, just at the point where they edit it, when it cuts in, 
somebody tries to reach up to get the guy, and the guy on top of the tube volleys him, man, like full force fucking boss shite, kicking the chops. Now, even I think if I was a, a, a bystander going, don't grab the guy off the roof, if he then gives somebody a goal kick to the face, you're like, all bets are off, mate, now you're getting dragged off. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to have, like, that. Is, that is the Extinction Rebellion equivalent of, like, a suicide baller. Do you know what I mean? That's what that is. You imagine the, the bold ice is sitting in a cave going, right, listen, we need some cut. You're not going to like this, but look, we've got a bit of Semtex. Margaret's managed to sew a few pouches into the fucking hijabs. We're going to pack it full, and one of you brave soldiers is going to walk into a designated area and fucking Robert's your feathers, brother. Pop, your socks are coming off. Now, we all know that we're here for the cause and the greater good. What one of you fuckers is going to step forward? Silence. Do we need to put names in a hat? Silence. Because nobody really wants to blow themselves up. And that's going to be the equivalent of the fucking Extinction Rebellion. You know, they're all gathered in the yurt. And the guy says, right, listen, we've, uh, we're going to upstep the game now and we're going to take the message to the people. And um, We need someone to uh, go and superglue themselves to a tube in Camden Town. Silence! <laughs> the bold Finley and Sebastian sitting in the back going, did he say Camden Town? But that's where scum people live. Oh, Sebastian, I didn't sign up for this. I know, Finley. I thought it would be a bit of hummus, shagging, fucking dirty women, you know. Bit of interpretive dancing. Maybe we'd talk and put together a wee manifesto. Maybe we'd screen print some t-shirts. But now it's getting serious. It's getting serious. And some fucker steps forward. I'll do it. I've had combat training. When I travelled through South America, you know, <laughs> I learned the warrior dance. Gets you selling top of a tube. Some painter and decorator for Bethnal Green's like, oh, you fucking can't. And then he's battled. <laughs> <laughs> the rebellion has fallen. <laughs> I, th- I mean, the world's dying, right? We all know that. Or do we know that? I don't know. You don't want to see people getting battered, right? But, at the same time, uh, you know, if that boy had been shouting something else on top of that tube train instead of a fucking Extinction Rebellion, uh, I imagine the police would have put two in his chest and you wouldn't have heard about it, you know? I think they lose a lot of sympathy when when people kind of, like, ambulances kind of get through. We've seen that with some of the bridges getting shut down or, or police being called up. What I don't get is this constant rhetoric of London being a mental tune, right? London's a mental tune. People are getting attacked every day. There's gangs all over London. So you're, you're telling me you're a young gang sitting in a hut going, there's a fucking couple of thousand hippies down at Trafalgar Square. You're not going to go and cause a ruckus. I think Extinction Rebellion, they need, they need to up the message, right? They need, they need to get a bit more serious. I, I, I think that 
that they're no willing to accept that the way to respond to the world is to become a bit more violent, right? I think they need to have some kind of demonstration in, in, in Trafalgar Square. Maybe there's like a, a 50-man moving wave, you know, a, a beautiful interpretive dance piece talking about the decline of the ocean. Uh, maybe they have some people dressed as pieces of plastic, right? Plastic bottles, straws, who, who emerge from the sea of blue to de depict the, the, the plastic levels in, in the ocean. And then the seas part to reveal the uh, environment minister and then they fucking behead the cunt. <laughs> That's what Extinction Rebellion need. A few beheading videos. Right? Fucking. That's when ISIS was at the top of their game. Fucking beheading. And then the beheading videos stopped and suddenly nobody's up bored anymore. You know? <laughs> that's that's what Extinction Rebellion need. They need to take the Environment Minister into the middle of Safargas Square and fucking saw the cunt's head off with a sharp bit of sourdough. <laughs> oh, the rebellion, man. Good luck tease, is what I'm saying. Good fucking luck tease. I have noticed a lot of the Extinction uh, Rebellion videos from around the world. Yet to see any in China. Just putting that out there. Huh? One of the biggest polluters in the world. Yet to see anybody in Bangkok fucking super gluing themselves to trains. Huh? It's alright when it's London, New York. You know? People you'll get coverage yet to see any Bangkok Extinction Rebellion videos. Maybe they'll come. Who knows? It is now the middle, I suppose we can say, of October, and already I am seeing uh, selection boxes and other Christmas items in the shops, which uh, I think is disgusting. Uh, I actually had to do a double take the other day, and I think it was Asda, when it was almost a whole row of selection boxes and I was like what the fuck is happening and I actually looked at my phone because I thought fucking hell I've, I've been asleep for two months how 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 soon do we need to get these fucking things into the shops and am I am I out of touch like am I wrong here like are you meant to buy selection boxes in October is that when you're meant to get them because I don't I don't know how it's been a hell of a time since I since I bought a selection box. Obviously because I'm an adult. So a wee square of chocolate isn't cutting it anymore. So if I want chocolate, I'll buy chocolate. But why? What is the need? I mean, we've not even had Halloween yet. Or bonfire night. But yet we've got Christmas stuff. I've, I've yet to see a Christmas. I think once the, the Christmas adverts start the television, that'll be the end of it. My nieces also are getting uh, a bit older, man, so I've only got a couple more years of getting good Christmas presents, you know, as in me buying good Christmas presents, because when they're young, it's still fun. So they're a couple of years off of going, Uncle Scott, can we get an iPad? I'm like, get yourself to fuck. So it's quite nice, the new, being able to go to B&A bargains. <laughs> Spend fucking 30 quid B&A bargains and get them a whole haul of Christmas presents. 
But I couldn't believe it when I saw a selection box the other day in the shop, man. I was like, what the fuck is happening? It does not feel as if Bonfire Night's getting much of a promo this year. Don't know if we're shutting down on the old uh, back garden Bonfire Nights. We've not really had much of a an incident. It's probably because fucking millennials and young kids just don't give a fuck now. They're probably just sitting on the phone and... God, I'm talking like I'm a 70-year-old man. It used to be a thing when, you know, like the old casualty programmes. Some fuckers opens up, opening scene, back garden, bonfire party, everybody's happy, you know, half-cooked fucking baked totty. Kids with sparklers, no gloves on, you're like, oh, that's going to cause issues. And then some fucking mad step fairy, oh, Dave, he's stuck the rocket instead of a bottle of milk. What? Glass bottle of milk collapses, rocket, <laughs> straight in the kitchen, whiskey's up like a Roman candle! <laughs> Doesn't happen so much anymore. I don't know the last time I saw or heard of a child burning their fingers on sparklers. We used to get rockets all the time, man, fucking throw them at each other, bangers. Throw bangers at each other. What happened to you? We used to put a, a banger in a glass bottle of cider. Screw the top on and then stand on it and let the glass bottle explode. Fun times, you know? Character building. New Wayne's are just sitting in the house playing Fortnite, waiting for Christmas so they can open the selection boxes. Dirty fat bastards. Um, one thing I, I watched this week. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take a wee sip of my coffee as well. Oh, it's a good coffee, man. El Camino. The Breaking Bad movie. Um, what can I say about El Camino? First of all, um, when I heard there was a Breaking Bad movie coming out, I was excited. I thought, good stuff. Uh, let's see where it goes. Uh, is it going to go uh, jump back and forward? Is there a storyline in the film they're going to pick up? What's going to happen? And then when I heard it was going to be about Jesse, I thought, oh, dear God, no, why, no. I hated Jesse's character in the show. I know some people loved him, and, oh, he's meant to be honest, and my meant to feel sorry for him. Fuck off. And El Camino just highlights how shit a character Jesse was. It is, it's not only one of the worst films that I've watched. It's one of, I've never felt, as robbed of my time as I did watching El Camino and I have seen people post on social media like um, oh we're waiting to watch this or I, really, I can't wait to have the time to watch it I'm going you have no idea how angry and annoyed you're going to be at yourself for even building this up in your mind it is an absolute pile of shit it's, what they've done is they've taken one of the classic episodes of Breaking Bad where fuck all happens for 40 minutes and then the last three is exciting and they've taken that and they've stretched over two and a bit hours but this time to make it a little bit different because it's a film fuck all happens for the full movie and then when it does end you're like am I watching Dexter it is shit beyond shit so many questions 
watching it. And no questions like, you know, why did that happen? Say, things like, how the fuck did he manage to shoot that cunt when he couldn't shoot a fucking, a target one foot? It's just, it's the most bollocks film ever. There's nothing in it that's exciting. There's nothing in it that you know, shocks you. It's just shit. And then when it ends, if you're watching it alone, you know, you'll probably have a few expletives. But if you're watching it with someone else, you'll turn to them and go, is that it? That is it. But thankfully, that's it put to bed. So we don't ever have to see that bloody character ever again. If you have not watched El Camino, I cannot... I, I can't even put any words how much you should just avoid it. You don't need it in your life. It'll just make you angry. If anything, it'll probably make you question Breaking Bad itself. I, I loved Breaking Bad when it was on, but it's the only... It's it's one of the things I've never gone back to watch. I've watched The Sopranos more times than I, than I want to admit to, but I've never once gone back to watch Breaking Bad. It, it, at the time, it was an incredible show. But I think because it felt as though it went on for such a long time and it did start to feel as though you got used to that rhythm of nothing happening for 80% of the show and then a wee blast at the end. You, you could probably, somebody could probably edit Breaking Bad to the last five minutes of every episode, watch that and you would understand all five series. But El Camino, I, I can't say it enough. Avoid this fucking show, man. It was absolute garbage. Garbage! Right. Let's do... My Alba. Let's do some facts about Scotland. Hatcha! Doesn't it make you proud to be Scottish? Right, this time, uh, facts of our great nation, Scotland. A fact was actually sent in um, by the wonderful David Exley on Facebook. David, thank you for getting in touch. This is a fact that I knew, and I imagine a lot of you um, listening will know, but we'll put it out there anyway, because I think, again, it's it's something the world needs to know about Scotland. And David has, has rightly uh, said that the chicken tikka masala, a dish that we all love, was invented in Glasgow. And you're right, David, it, it was. Um, I don't know what year it was invented. Um, all I know is apparently it was in the 70s. Now, I think, if I'm right in saying, there are two restaurants in Glasgow that claim to have invented it around about the same time, right? I don't know if it was a, a family war, I don't know if somebody was fucking dipping these, you know, tikka masala where he shouldn't have been, I don't know. But apparently, uh, the gentleman's name, Ali Ahmed Aslam, fucking legend, who owned the Shish Mahal restaurant in Glasgow, uh, created a sauce from condensed tomato soup, and he added some spices after a customer complained his chicken was too dry. And this evolved into the nation's favourite dish. So thanks to some uppity Glaswegian fam who went, here mate, your chicken's off a fucking dry. Know what I mean? He says, dry you cunt, I'll fucking dry you. Bosh, get that tin of soup open. Fucked it on top. Bit of spice. 
how'd you like them apples? He's like, hey, mate, this is fucking brilliant. What'd you call us? He went, ah, chicken tikka masala. Chicken tikka masala! Vented in the 70s in Glasgow. So, I mean, really fucking tikka masala's probably up there with haggis. As being a, a national dish of Scotland. Especially if it was invented in Glasgow. So we should all go to the Shish Mahal for a night out and go, mate, we'll have the fucking, the original, the OG, from the OG. Is Big Ali still in the kitchen? Fucking crack the soup open. Uh, a follow-up fact, um, obviously we know from episode one that the national animal of Scotland is a unicorn. Um, but what I didn't know is the, the reason why it was picked as the national, an, uh, national animal. And it is because, uh, get this, the unicorn is the enemy of the lion. And the lion is the symbol of England. Oh! So there you go. That's why we've got a unicorn. Because we hate the English. <laughs> that, do you know what? See that? That that sums up why we've got the unicorn. It's typical fucking Scottish pettiness, man. That's, that's us in a nutshell. The unicorn is us in a nutshell. We're having the lion, noble beast, king of the jungle, will be the emblem and the, the national animal of England. All right, right, fucking lads, here, gather right? They fucking bosh fucking nonsense down there. I've got a lion, right? What, what is the end? What, what can kick fuck out a lion? Uh, a, a weasel. Shut up, Stevie. I'm telling you, weasels are fucking mental, mate. I'm telling you, man, tooled up. See a weasel tooled up? Right, hear me out. No, hear me out. See if you get a weasel, right, and tool the cunt up and put it in a box with a lion. Mate, lion when it's done a chance, man. Fucking slice and dice the cunt. <laughs> then some fucker pipes up. Do you know what lions hate, mate? Unicorns. No way, Derek. I'm telling you, man. I was out there all day, right? Doing fucking Castle Milk High Street. And there was a line coming out of the fucking Queen's Head pub, right? And this unicorn rat hole, you, I can't, where's my dig money? And then fucking line shot it, mate. Unicorns. <laughs> Scottish National Anthem, Unicorn, because it is the enemy of the line. Right, let's go for one more, one more uh, fact. Um, well, I know something about this. There is, a, there is a mountain called the Demon's Penis. Why? Uh, it's called the. You need to excuse this pronunciation. Uh, its Gaelic name is Bod and Demahan, fucking demigorgons, uh, which means penis of the demon. But it was more politely translated into English as the devil's point. Well, it's a fucking the devil's bobby. I also know there's a there's a place in Scotland called the Devil's Beef Tub. Whatever the fuck that is. There's some mad places in Scotland, man. I think Scotland must be like one of the most like religious spots in, in the world. I've, I've thought this for a long time. That the amount of stuff like you go back in time with like witches and, and like religious artifacts that are found off of like tiny wee islands and a lot of stuff that went on here, man. Like you, you, Scotland must be one of the most religious 
places in the, in, in the world, without a doubt. Why is it called the, the, the demon's penis? I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of it now. It just looks like hell. Looks like hell. You know? I don't know if it's back in the day when people are drinking their homebrew in the croft. They're out there not one night and they're like, Here, Hector, I think that looks like a fucking Bobby the Devil. And the name just sticks. I don't know. I just know that there is a place, uh, a mountain in Scotland called the Demon's Penis. So if you're coming to Scotland, not only can you have the OG chicken tikka masala, but you can also visit the Demon's Penis. <laughs> that, that's what should be in the, in the tourist board. None of this when you arrive at the airport. Welcome to the best small country in the world. It should be welcome at home and a chicken tikka masala. Don't forget to visit the Demon's Penis. Right, here's your Scotland facts for this episode. Thank you to everybody who got in touch. Also, let me just say thank you so much to everybody who has listened to the first two episodes. Uh, it's meant a, it's meant a great deal. Um, I I'm still a bit awkward doing these. Um, you know, as as we're only we're only I mean we're only three episodes in, all right. So uh, give yourself a break, big man. But I want to keep these coming every week. So every single Monday, a brand new episode will be out. Um, and as they go on, I'll get more used to kind of doing this on my own. And like I said, there there may be occasions when I, I have guests or or I do some interviews or do some other stuff. I've got a few ideas coming up. Um, I'm trying to get something. Uh, just in the diary for, for another comic that I'd like to kind of talk to, uh, whether it's an interview or an episode, I don't really know, but try to get that together. So, um, yeah, there's some exciting stuff coming up. Um, so, you know, just stick with me. All right, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, the show is available on SoundCloud, um, on Spotify, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, and YouTube as well. Um, if you go on and you listen to it on iTunes or you listen to it on Spotify, if you can, please give it a wee review. It helps it move up these charts and just get seen. If you uh, are on SoundCloud or YouTube, and even if you're not, if you can go to those pages and subscribe to the channel, um, that will help things be seen as well. So I'm trying to build the, the YouTube channel. I've got some plans for a, for another couple of things coming up as well. Um, but all the podcasts are available on there and SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, that kind of thing. But thank you to everyone who has listened. If you have enjoyed it, please share it. Um, ask your friends to listen. Uh, get their phone. Go to their, their um, podcast browser, whatever they use. Find the podcast and let them su- subscribe to it so that you can share it. That's the best way to help me grow uh, the show and grow the channel. But thank you to everyone who got in touch um, with questions. I have got some questions left over. Um, from previous episodes that, that weren't answered. And I think what I'm going to do is, because so many of you are sending in questions, the ones that I don't get a chance to answer um, on the podcast, I'll kind of clump them together and then I'll do like a wee extra one that'll stick out during the week just to keep you sticking over with uh, the questions that, that have been asked. So um, let's just dive straight in here. Um, Paul Thompson, Paul Thompson uh, has got in touch on Instagram. Um, I am at Big Scott Gibson on Instagram and he says, can you answer why Dundee spent... One million pound on a shite museum. Paul, I can't. I have absolutely no idea 
Why why they did this now that part of Dundee, if you've never been to Dundee, it's a, it's an amazing city, man. Um it's a it's a wonderful city. And I am desperate to get back up there to do the tour show. I've been to Dundee Rep a few times. Uh I am trying to get some dates organised with them. Um to be honest, the first protocol will be the rep just because I absolutely love it. I think it's a beautiful theatre. Um, but if we kind of get something sorted with them soon, because their diary is a fucking nightmare, then it looks like it's going to need to be the Garden Theatre. But also a beautiful space. Um, but I will be back to Dundee in 2020. Uh, a couple of people have asked recently when I'm going to be bringing a tour show up there. So we will get a date organised um, for next year. But... Paul has asked um, why they spent a million quid on, on I imagine, uh, the V&A. Now, I've got fucking the idea. I haven't been to the V&A. Um, my, my mother has been. And from what I can understand, it's like a fucking a conference centre. I don't even know where it is, man. I don't know where it is. Is it a museum? What's in the museum? What is it? Fuck knows. Scotland's Design Museum. That's what it is. Um, apparently it has welcomed 830,000 visitors in its first year um, to the V&A in Dundee. And 829,500 of them were bitterly disappointed. Now, I don't think anybody can argue that it's, it's stunning from the outside. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time... In a city like Dundee, where I imagine poverty figures are still high, you know, people are struggling daily, do they really need to spend over a million quid to build a fucking museum? Now, I know how people argue all these things, like, oh, it attracts business and it attracts money to the city, but does that money then reach the, the right places? I don't know. That part of Dundee, if you've ever been to Dundee in the past, the the, the change to the, to the front is spectacular. But does it need to be in it? I don't know. I mean, these these art things, it seems to be in Scotland anyway, and this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of the stuff that is invested in in the arts is the kind of the more wanky side of art. Do you know what I mean? That just normal punters don't get. Just don't get it, man. You know, like you, you walk around these, some of these studios that are inside these places, or you walk around like, you know, the, the V&A, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what fucking half of this bollocks is. Because it may be interesting, or maybe it's just, it's put across in a way that doesn't engage with normal people. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that a million quid could have been spent in a, in a different place, or in a, in a better place. But they spent, I can't, I mean, I think a million quid's a lot for it, isn't it? I'm on the, the V&A website now, even their website is boring as fuck. Oh, they've got a restaurant, of course they have, and all that food looks very wanky. Um, if anybody's been to the V&A, get in touch. Was it exciting? What the fuck is in it? It's got a gift shop, apparently. Um, from everyday kitchen products to luxury knitwear. That sounds bollocks. Any bouncy balls, mate? See, see if you're a museum or an art gallery and you don't have novelty-sized pencils and a bouncy ball in your shop, then I don't even fucking want to know about your museum. Let's have a look at what's coming up. Uh, Scottish Design Galleries. Maeve Redmond has got uh, an exhibition. Fucking yes! 
three to get in. So bloody hope so. Uh, and uh, there's an installation called Soap Opera, which looks like a Johnny attached to a gas mask. I'm just, I'm just saying what I see. I'm saying what I see, Mr. Chips. Fuck me, this looks boring. Um, I have absolutely no interest in going to the V&A. But there you go. To answer your question, Paul, why have Dundee spent a million quid on it? Uh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Maybe they had a spare million kicking about somebody's cousin was a builder they went listen you fancy building a fucking museum he's like hey million pound you're done and they've built it I don't know it's like anything else I mean people don't get a say in these things if we did have a say probably nothing would get made you know it is a nice um, a nice bit added to the front Dundee I, I hope it does attract places in I hope that they start to look at these things and maybe think about what people would actually want to come along and see instead of trying to attract a, a certain type of person because I I uh, perform, I always take a tour show to Greenock, and I love Greenock, and I always go to the Beacon uh, Arts Centre, and I go there because I've, I've kind of built up a relationship with the staff over the last kind of four years, and uh, I really like them, it's a very comfortable space, and, but that is another example of a venue that just does not give the local people what they, what they want, you know, it's another thing that a lot of money was spent building it, uh, even more money has been spent by the council and, and the government trying to bail it out and keep it afloat and I think a lot of these things are just built I don't know if it's to keep up with the Joneses man or, or to try and appeal to someone I don't know what it is but I think a lot of them kind of fall short you know because they just they don't do in my opinion they just don't do enough to attract people in um, I mean there's a whole fucking load of other questions you're going to ask to, as to why people don't go to museums more, you know, if, especially if they are free or, or, or what what exhibitions are in there that you could attract it. I don't know, man. Paul, you've asked a question that's leading to more questions, mate. But I suppose to answer I don't know why they spent that money in a shite museum. And your other question, I will be back in Dundee, mate. Um, right, Stephen Harry Wilson, the legend. Stephen Harry Wilson has got in touch and he is asked uh, through Facebook. Steve's going to touch uh, on Facebook. Search Scott Gibson Comedy. Uh, he's asked, what movies scared you as a kid? Now, I hate horror films. I hate them. I don't think they serve any purpose. I don't know why you would want to be scared. If it is frightening in the sense of it's a thriller or it makes you question something in the world that you live in and it's a bit, oh my God, that's a wee bit fucking terrifying. That's fine. But zombies and dead babies just jumping out on you forget it i went to see is it the grudge i think it's the grudge and i'll just fucking google this when i was uh, younger right and there was a, a whole load of his way to see this man like a group of guys and a group of girls now this apparently came out according to uh, fucking google in 2004 right um, supernatural horror and a remake of the 2002 Japanese film Due On uh, terrifying so I went to see that and um, shitting my pants in the cinema watching this fucking thing and at one point I I think I went to go to the toilet and then when I came back from the, the toilet I, I obviously sat down in my seat again and my my jacket was kind of 
poking at the bottom of the chair, if you like, right? So if you can imagine, if you're sitting behind me in the cinema, you can see the bottom of my jacket hanging through my chair, just because the way I've got up and the seat's kind of closed, right? And my friend, uh, Stephen Duff, who was sat behind me, grabbed my jacket um, at a particularly terrifying point in the film and proceeded to pull my jacket into the chair. Now, I... I mean, I don't... I'm not even going to pretend that I was a hard man. I fucking screamed like a little bitch. I honestly thought my jacket was, or my chair was eating me. That's what I thought. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not going to say, like, I flinched and then laughed and then punched him. No. I screamed like a tiny child. You know, like, my, my, my seat's eating me! Ah! Like, I was, I was fucking shitting my pants. And this is when you used to have ushers. I remember ushers. In cinemas and the guy came over with a fucking 2000 watt flashlight. Uh, what, what's going on here? I'm, I'm fucking, my, my seat's eating me, mate. My fucking seat's eating my jacket. I had to leave the cinema, man. So flustered. And even now when I think about it, I'm, I'm looking at the poster now for The Grudge and it's, it's honestly, man, I've, I've been triggered, Stevie. You fucking triggered me. <laughs> this is bringing back memories, man. Oh. Released 2004. Film received mixed reviews. I mean, obviously. Uh, I shot my pants. Made $187 million, cost $10 million to, to make. It's a fucking decent return. Aye. That was that was one film that absolutely scared the shit out of me. And, and another one, it was the... It wasn't a remake of The Exorcist, but I think The Exorcist, they brought out another film that was like set before the original Exorcist. And I remember going to the cinema to see that and then walked out. That's, that's one of the only films that I've walked out of. I think it was about 20 minutes. There was a, a, there was a scene in it when a, a, a kid or a young boy is attacked and mauled by these dogs and I remember sitting with my mate Campbell and I was like what the fuck are we watching and it was just I mean that image is still in my mind and then we walked out I was like that's too much but I had the grudge mate the grudge is one of those films that will forever remain in my mind I I, I know a lot of people go that isn't scary but see See anything with Wayne's in it? See when, like, when she lifts the cover up and the Wayne's underneath the duvet? Oh my fucking god. No way. I hate, I hate scary films. I hate it. Even now, 35 year old, even the miss like, do I watch something scary? I'm like, fucking no, because I'm no sleep. So unless I've got a box set to catch up on and I'm doing an all-nighter, I am not watching a scary film. And there's nothing wrong. I don't get people that are like, oh, I love horrors. What, what is missing in your life? That makes you love a fucking horror movie. Oh, <laughs> minging. So thanks for that, Stevie. Now I'm shitting myself sitting in the house alone. Fucking Doug better protect me. Right, uh, Paul uh, on Twitter, uh, who's at uh, Pablo underscore K17. Fucking what a name, Pablo. Underscore K17. What's that all about? He's asked, what's happening with your tattoos? Well, big man. I am glad you asked. The, we have got three uh, parts of the sleeve. Uh, I have the next bit is designed uh, by the wonderful Deborah Pow. And I'm just waiting on uh, a date that I can go in and get the next bit added. Um, 
Uh, it was I had it actually designed uh, Deborah. Deborah, who's done all of my tattoos uh, on my right arm um, so far, so I, I think I've decided I'm just going to keep going with Deborah and get everything done on the sleeve that I want, and then I'll get it filled in. And I'm going to start on the left arm. There is a, a few uh, tattoos in Edinburgh that I quite like the look of. I'm going to start getting some smaller pieces done on, on the other arm, but I'm going to stick with this one with Deborah. So she has. Uh, again, designed an amazing piece. I gave her a couple of uh, things that I wanted, and she's incorporated it into another wonderful design. Um, I was meant to get it on the first week of August, um, right bang in the fringe, and then something come up to go and do a fucking radio thing, um, and I wasn't going to be able to get to it on time to my appointment, and I was gutted, man. And because she's in such... Uh, demand there has been no space sadly for me to to get anything done uh, so I I need to get a wee date booked in but yeah the design's sitting there is ready to go um, I just need to get I just need to get a date to get it done but if anybody is, is looking for uh, tattoos to get done Deborah Pow is Oh, she's amazing, man. The stuff she does is incredible. She's actually, she used to work in uh, a place in Edinburgh. She's now moved to Glasgow and has uh, her own studio set up, I think, at the Barras, um, at Bad. I think she's a space there. I have to get through and get booked in. But if anybody is looking for uh, a tattoo, Deborah Pow is, is the, the, the woman for you. She's incredible. Get on Instagram. She's at Deborah Pow Tattoos. Uh, Deborah D B O R E H Powers P O W at Deborah Power Tattoos. Check it out, man. Our work is incredible. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to continue on with the sleeve. As soon as I get a chance to get through uh, and get a date, the the next bit will be added. I might actually try and get to do a couple of wee things when I'm through. Um, I think the next one's quite a, a, a sizable bit. Uh, maybe flinging some some wee stuff there. The problem is when you get tattoos, you just you just want more you know I'd, I'd love to be able to go in and just i think even if i went into a place and and paid the money and just went right fucking let's just sit here for 12 hours and batter it as many as we can even after that i'd still that's my concern that once i finish the sleeve i'll i'll just want even more and it's not it's not about like i don't think that it's ever a like an addiction I think it's when you find someone who... Because there's a lot of people get shit tattoos, right? We know that. But I think when you find tattoo artists and, and the emphasis on the artist, the work they can do is, is fucking incredible, man. You know, some of the stuff they do is insane. Um, and also, you're looking at the same stuff. I mean, I've got a tour manager right front and centre, so I don't mind looking at his wee face every day. The only thing is a bit... Sometimes I, I even forget I got it. I've got the Duke, right? The Glasgow Duke, the fucking Coneheed on the kind of underside of my arm. And it's almost the full width of my arm. It's an absolute belter. Um, and it means a lot because, again, it's a, a, a design that Deborah did uh, that she took from my my amazing missus has got a, a print on her Etsy store of the Duke. And I sent Yasmin's design to Deborah, and Deborah kind of reworked it. Uh, so it would work as a tattoo so that means a lot but because of the position on the arm I don't always see it so every now and again I'll catch it like in a in a shop window or a mirror or something and I, and I remember it's there but when you look at the same bits of your tattoos all the time you maybe want more and more so 
Paul, I am continuing with this leave, mate, and as soon as I get a date that works for me and Deborah has some space, I will be back in there um, to get uh, some more stuff done. But if you're, like I say, if you're looking for a tattoo to get done, Deborah Powell, man, that is the way to go. Uh, that's the questions for this episode. Thanks, everyone who got in touch. Uh, the best way to do it, go to scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. If you haven't already, join the mailing list. All the social media links are on there as well. Get in touch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and if you've got a bigger question, there's a contact form on the page as well, um, so you can drop me uh, a message. Thanks to everybody who got in touch, and uh, we'll, we'll get some more of these out in the next episode. We are quickly uh, coming to the end of another exciting episode, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, so before we wrap things up, let's do some news from around the world. Play the jingle. Today's headlines. Scientists paint cows. Rats removed from van. Teeth extracted from boy. I mean, again, absolute top quality journalism being reported here on the Battlefield Show. Let's go to the the first um, news item. Cows are being painted. Um, I, I'll say this just now. It's in Japan. Um, the, those folk, they, they, they're crazy. They're crazy, the, the Japanese. Um, they don't fuck about with their beef. These are the bastards that massage uh, cows, innit? And feed them beer. They are the old fucking, the old Wagyu. Eh? Getting a rub and a tug every night for the farmer. Um, painting cows to look like zebras has a surprising benefit. A surprising benefit in that more are getting eaten by lions, I would imagine. And um, Painting stripes on cows can be amusing. Is it? I don't know what Japanese TV is like. Um, and it has a serious advantage for cattle and humans, according to a study in Japan. We shall read on. Scientists in Japan have discovered a clever way to reduce the need for using pesticides on livestock. And the evidence supporting it is pretty black and white. <laughs> oh, pretty black and white. Because eh, they're zebras. Fuck it. Oi, oi! A study published in one scientist journal found that painting zebra-like stripes on cows scientifically reduces attacks by biting flies. What? Providing a means of defending livestock against flies without pesticide. How? How big are these biting flies that they're taking down a fucking cow? And why is painting... There's also a picture of this cow painted and the, the paint is running. <laughs> like... <laughs> It looks like the farmer's got his wane to draw stripes. And also, it's actual stripes like a fucking St. Mullen shirt. If anybody's seen a zebra or a zebra, however you fucking say it, it's no... They've not got hoops. It's no black, white hoops. <laughs> Some kids went, hey. Fucking... Ying Ting. I don't know any Japanese names. Stevie. Get, I'm sick of these biting flies. Get in, get in the shed. There's a tin of emulsion in there, right? Thin it down a bit. Get a paintbrush and go there and paint the cows. There's a fucking... 
one of these Japanese journals is saying the biting flies, they don't like zebras. They don't, they're not as tasty as beef. So get painting. What does a zebra look like, Dad? It's fucking, it looks like a mountain player, black and white hoops. <laughs> the cow is just, oh, what a fucking mess. They've even painted his tail. They've got, they've got the hoops going different directions and then it's all running into each other. Oh my god. Uh, the, the article goes on to say flies are less likely to land on black and white surfaces due to polarisation of light which impairs their perception according to the study. How do they know this? Researchers found that the zebra painted cattle were bitten nearly 50% less than the solid black animals. Paint them fucking yellow then. Why is it going to be black and white? What about the mad sheep that suit in the on the road out towards Edinburgh or out towards Livingston that were all painted pink? They that fucking paint the cows pink, and they're also they're still getting bitten. So it's not really making much of a difference. What a bullshit fucking news story this is. I mean, I, I deliberately look for some mad news stories rather than try to talk about Brexit because fucking nobody really. I think we're all sick to the back teeth of hearing that shite now. But this is just a, a nonsense one. Japanese cows getting painted black and white. There you go. Uh, Japanese scientists also claim that uh, in, in the future, I mean, they've not they've no given a date, as most of these scientists do when it comes to this thing, you know. It must be quite easy to be a scientist. Y you can just say utter bullshit. And then... When you're asked to, to reason your statement, you go, well, I'm, a, I'm actually a scientist. Oh, in that case. So this scientist says that in the future, uh, cows will be the largest animal on land. Well, I mean, giraffe. Hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking water buffalo. I mean, I've seen some big cows in my time. Oi, oi! I've seen some big cows in my time. Are they implying that large animals will be extinct and the cow will continue on? I mean, if people keep eating fucking soya buttons and, you know, corn mints, might there be as many cows as a boot. I'm going to say this is a bullshit news story that someone was struggling to get um, some items out on the day. But there you go, Japanese scientists. If any, uh, if any out there ever go to Japan and you see a, a black and white painted cow, um, not to be confused with a cow who is black and white, you understand. Um, I imagine the old dairy cow is quite happy, unless there's something about the the vertical stripe of the hoop that throws the, the fly off. I don't know. But if you're ever in uh, Japan and you see somebody painting a cow, <laughs> then take a picture, fucking tag me in it. You know, maybe it was a quiet day in the farm. <laughs> oh, right. Next news story. It's it's uh, it's it's an odd one. Woman who was living in a van with three hundred and twenty rats agrees to give them up. Thank God, Sandra. And what does it mean by that title? She was living in a van with three hundred and twenty rats, as if that's implying the the rats were in the van to start with. They put an advert out in Gumtree looking for roommate. <laughs> and someone was went, that can't, it can't be 320 rats. Maybe three, somebody's lent on the keyboard, rocked up. She's seen the van. Oh, it's a van. How big's the van? 
They went, do you know what? I fucking love rats. I don't mind rats. Rats are all right. It's just when they appear in the street behind a bin, you shit yourself. Authorities in California. Obviously, it's America. I mean, where else would this fucking be? Authorities in California found the animals had clawed into upholstery, burrowed into seats, and gnawed the engine wiring. It's, it's a rat, mate. What What do you think rats are going to do? Do you think if some woman phones an animal charity and says, listen, I need help. What, what's, what's the problem, Adam? How, how can we help you? I'm in a van. Uh, this is an animal charity. Well, I've got 320 rats in my van. Holy shit! Start the van, Davey. We've, we've got a fucking call out. Do you think they're going to turn up to see the rats sitting in smoking jackets with pipes watching reruns of Seinfeld or fucking Community? <laughs> Playing chess? Or do you think they're going to be burrowed into furniture? The woman who's living in the van, 320 rats, um, phoned the local charity asking for help. Authorities in California found the animals including the upholstery, burrowed into seats, nod engine wiring in San Diego. The Union Turbine in San Diego reports the story. The unnamed woman. Obviously, she's unnamed, but I imagine if you live in San Diego, you're going to know the fucking woman in a van with 320 rats. Do you mind if we put your name uh, in this story, uh, Sandra? I'd rather not. I don't want people to know that I've allowed myself to fall into such a, a situation of disrepair. I think people are going to know you. <laughs> Nobody's sitting down to read the old San Diego Union Tribune or Turbine, whatever the fuck it is, San Diego Bugle, on a Sunday morning. A cup of coffee and a, and a glazed donut. And go, here, you look like Margaret. Some mad woman in a van with 320 rats. Who could that be? The fucking woman we know! Rats can give birth every four weeks and produce a dozen in a litter. Dirty bastards. An officer from the San Diego Humane Society visited the van, which was parked near the convenience store. Oh, yeah, dirty bastard. And spoke to the woman on October the 8th. The animals had reportedly been seen coming and going. The animals had reportedly been seen coming and going for the van. <laughs> I'm just nipping out. I'm, n- <laughs> I'm nipping out to the shops. I'm going to get a curly whirly and a Kit Kat. He's what, netting? 260 rats going, get his fucking this, get his a bag of crisps. Oh, do you know what? Forget it. It's too much. I'm only one rat. Some cunt come with me. The animals had reported been seen coming and going. Oh, fuck me. If there's two rats like stumbling back to the van at half four in the morning going, oh fuck, she's going to go off her nut. <laughs> Curfew is half eight. What time is it? It's fucking half four. You're joking. Oh. That is the last time I'm going down to the bins outside KFC, man. I'm fucking rattling. I'm at my nut, man. I'm on a sugar rush. Mate, we can't just get in the door. It's going to wake her up, man. She's a late sleeper. She's going to kick off, right, sneak in through the engine bay, fucking young Tam's nod his way through the wires, there's a gap in there. <laughs> oh. Dan Cook, an agent in the charity's law enforcement, imagine being law enforcement for an animal charity, but I mean, what does that mean? 
couple of dugs kicking off. Got them up in the animal court. Dan Cook uh, said the woman acknowledged things had got out of hand. Oh! <laughs> Jigsaw! She told the San Diego uh, Bugle, this was not a cruelty case, this was a relinquishment, an owner asking for help. So the rats were, were well treated. They all had wee beds, uh, 320 uh, Christmas stockings hanging up. <laughs> Six hundred and forty wee pair of slippers, because obviously rats have got uh, two sets of feet, front and back. <laughs> Would you put four slippers on a rat? I'll just get a wee pair. Walks up right. I don't know. Uh, she was feeding them all. Uh, they all had water. Uh, this didn't meet the standards of hold. It didn't meet the standards of holding. How many rats do you need to hold before you're holding? Authorities collected about 320 rats and more than 100 are now up for adoption. The woman has found a new place to stay. Aww. Well, do you know what, Hen? I hope you... I hope you get the, <laughs> you get the rats back. <laughs> Fuck me. Right, final news story. Uh, surgeons removed more than 400 teeth from a boy in India. Why is all this weird medical shit always India? No cunts with like elephant seeds and... The wee shwami guys that sit with like one arm in the air for like 50 years so his arm's like a fucking scraggly bit of bread. Or the ones that wrap their bobby up or, you know. They're just, it's just an odd part of the world, isn't it? We read on, a seven-year-old boy had long complained of having a swollen and aching jaw. Surgeons at the Savantha Dental College and Hospital in Chennai, India operated and found 526 teeth crammed inside his mouth fuck an actual duck the boy had a well-defined bag-like mass extracted from his jaw which weighed seven ounces not that much and contained hundreds of miniature teeth once it was removed the medical team took five hours to meticulously search through and count them all well it's a fucking slow day slow day in the hospital just dragged a bag of teeth out of cunt's face listen give me give me a couple of hours I'm going to sit here and go through them all, right? Lay them out nice for a wee Instagram post. It was reminiscent of pearls in an oyster, one doctor said. No, isn't it? Because if you, you got one pearl in an oyster, you don't open up an oyster and find 526 tiny wee oysters, tiny wee pearls even. Hospital's statement did not release the child's name. He was discharged after three days. Each tooth, which varied in size from one millimetre, tiny, to 15 millimetres, decent, Displayed a crown covered by an animal, uh, sorry, enamel with a root-like structure. Well, we know what a tooth is. How much money is he getting for that? 526 teeth. That's some pillar. You're going to need to stick them under. I can remember getting a bit older and obviously still being young because you still believe in the tooth fairy. And instead of sticking it under your pillow, <laughs> my mum would say, leave it in the windowsill because your teeth are getting heavier. So it's easier for the tooth fairy to carry. If she doesn't have to dig under your pillow. And I'm going, that's obviously because mum's having a couple of glasses of wine that night. And she's going to come in and fucking <laughs> wake you up. Try to sneak a tooth out from under your pillow. Uh, there's no problems in the growth. Uh, sorry, in the growth. Am I steaming? In the growth of the other teeth. Um, as molar teeth uh, were not affected. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It will require no further surgery. 
the procedure does not require jaw reconstruction. Well, again, thank God for that, eh? 526 teeth out your gut. I mean, if, if you're in this country and you're going private, that dentist is fucking rubbing his hands, going, oh, you're getting billed per tooth. Thousands. Well, wee man, uh, you've not been named in the article, but I hope that you are well and recover and you don't end up being dragged around some Indian circus as the fucking shark boy with five hundred teeth in his gub. Um, another exciting uh, edition of, of World News. Uh, I think you'll agree. So we've had Japanese scientists painting cows, woman in a van with 320 rats, and a young boy in India, 526 teeth removed from his mouth. We have come to the end of another episode. That's us, episode three, uh, wrapping this bad boy up. Thank you for listening. Um, if you got in touch with the show, thank you for asking questions and then your topics. Um, if you do listen to the show, whether it be on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, or on YouTube, please subscribe on whatever channel you get the podcast from. If you can go on SoundCloud and you can go on YouTube, please subscribe to the channels. That is where some extra content will be going up. Um, and if you do have a question or you want to get in touch, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. All the links to my social medias are on there. Uh, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Send me your questions. Um, and if it's a longer question or it's something you don't want to put online, there is a contact page on there as well that will come uh, directly to me if you want to drop me a message. So please do that. Uh, thank you for listening. A couple of things coming up. Um, I am in Glasgow on the 3rd of November uh, doing a new material night at the Classic Grand uh, in the Wee Room. Uh, limited tickets for that. Um, it'll be me and uh, another guest uh, doing new material. I'll be doing about 50 minutes of new stuff. So if you'd like to come along to that, go on the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk, go to the gig tab and get your tickets for that. I am in Loch Winnoch, November 16th, with the uh, White Noise Tour, and I'm in Glasgow again on December the 1st at the Glee Club in Glasgow with the final outing of my new show, White Noise, for 2019. Now, if you are listening to this and you're on the mailing list, you should have received your email uh, with your ticket link and discount code to the new show that's coming next year, 2020, at the Glasgow Comedy Festival. Get your tickets for that. The Whatever's left from the mailing list will go in general sale on November 1st. But head over to the website, get into those tickets, uh, and I will hopefully see you on the battlefield soon. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe, like, share it with your friends. Let's build the followers. Thanks very much. I'll see you in the battlefield. Onwards!
spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.